Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Are you a former ball player? Do you remember what it was like to have that special lingo that you would use and only ball players used it and, and, and things? We've got a coach with us today, a coach, a mentor, a a um, uh, somebody and an author and does, does some really cool things and with the, with both as a coach where she was a D- division one uh, a woman's basketball coach and division one is a big deal by the way if you don't know and uh, she's also an author and she's uh, really works with people who who she who really care about uh, her and she cares about them and uh, really does some great things with them. And her name is Julia Weaver, and she is right there. Julia, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm dandy, thank you. And you just moved to a new place. I, I did. I did. I live at the beach now. I love it. Oh, very good. Now, are you a uh, um, um, a snorkelist? Do you do you snorkel or, or scuba dive or any of that? No. None of that. I rarely will probably even go into the water with all the creatures now nowadays. <laughs> Not very fond of that. Isn't it amazing when you when you look at uh, maybe a drone or a helicopter up above and you see these people in the water and there's these big fish that are like swimming right next to them and right around them and stuff. It's amazing. More people don't get don't don't have an accident out there. I know, right? It's Yes, it's true. All the kite surfers and the, and all the people that I see way out in the ocean, I, I don't know how they do it, but I, all the credit to them. Well, you know, it's, it, just wear your number 50 sunscreen and go re- relax on the beach and enjoy them. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> With a good book. Absolutely. Um, speaking of good books, we you've got a good book out that's been out just a little while. Tell us about it. I have. Yes, I uh, published in uh, March of of this year, so 22, um, not too many months ago, Um, and it's called Hoop Speak, so you spoke of that earlier about lingo and language of uh, the language of basketball, and so I took the language of basketball to explain leadership concepts, so I actually like to call it a leadership book with a basketball twist, that's, uh, you know, with a leadership plot twist, that's how I have explained it to people in the past, and it's really a fundamental, a fundamental book. You know, it's really for new leaders. Um, even veteran leaders will certainly find uh, information in it. But it's a lot for new leaders to just get the fundamental fundamentals of leadership and leading and begin to develop their own strategy. So the subtitle is um, the X's and O's of leading through the language of basketball. Um, so it's a, it's basically a guide, if you will. Well, and I'll tell you, leadership is something that very, very rarely is inherited or you just um, um, have it. It is a skill that, like like anything else, it's a major skill that you need to learn and to, to be a good leader, to get the results that you're looking for for your organization and for the people that you're working with. Absolutely. And it, it's and it's it's hard to be it's do you find that that not everybody's cut out to be a leader i believe that for sure that 
I think people get put into positions a lot of times because they're high performers and they're not necessarily understanding the role of the leader and, and how to go from a peer, um, you know, to a supervisor. And so there's a lot of challenges with that. And, you know, I think it takes a lot of uh, letting go of your ego to be a great leader. I mean, I'll just be honest. I, and there's a lot of skills, like you said, there's so many skills, you know, empathy and emotional intelligence and, you know, influence. There's just so many skills that a leader needs to be successful. I'm constantly amazed that corporations or large companies will promote people because they've been, as an example, in, in my world, they were great salesmen. Mm -hmm. And so they, they say, Hey, he's a great salesman. He should be able to do, be a sales manager mm -hmm. and manage other salesmen and, and do that. But I find that, that most of the time people that are great salesmen, they, I have a natural gift for it and they don't necessarily understand how complicated it is and to teach it to somebody. That's, that's a bit of a problem for some folks, isn't it? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll go back to my basketball days. And I even believe that not the best players always make the best coaches. I think some of the people that are role players or, you know, even sit on the bench, you know, learn the game a lot more in depth and it doesn't come so easily to them. And, you know, as far as their skill. And so I really believe that, you know, people that are not the best players can make really good coaches, honestly, not saying that the best that great players have not become great coaches. I'm not saying that at all. It's just, you know, it's, it's the same thing in leadership too, that not your best performers are always going to make the best leaders. And it's a, it's a wholly completely different mindset. And uh, I really appreciate you putting it into really basic terms with the hoop speaks. Now, some of, what are some of the terms that you use uh, in the in the book to describe the development or or being a great leader? Mm, that's a great question. I have lots of terms in there as far as basketball terms. You know, I can relate them to, you know, thinking about if you are on a let's say you're on a big project, so you're in a leadership. Um, position and you're on a big project and your your team is is not doing well they're weary they're tired and you need to call a timeout a timeout just like you know you would if you were watching your players run down the court and you're seeing that they're not they're not functioning right they're not they're not running the plays you know you're calling a timeout so what do you do in a timeout you get people together you refocus and then you go back out there and you you know you perform and Maybe you need to run a full court press. You know, what is a full court press? Well, that's all hands on deck. Uh, there's a situation that um, I have in my book where um, one, a Fortune 500 company needed to call a, for, call a for, full court press. Good gracious, I can't speak. <laughs> full court press. Say that three times fast, right? Um, because of 9-11. Um, you know, they had to get all hands on deck. And so I would relate that to a full court press that they needed to um, turn, you know, defense into offense. They went in on the defensive and they were behind and they needed to put a full court press on so that they could get, um, you know, back on offense. Uh, you know, those are just a, a couple of terms. Um, thinking about things that you may do as a leader and thinking about fouls, um, you know, you're couple of fouls, personal fouls, technical fouls, flagrant fouls. Of course, there are going to be probably fouls that you may, um, that you may create when you're, when you're 
training, coaching, leading people, but I, I always encourage you, especially in this book, to stay away from the flagrant fouls. Um, you know, <laughs> definitely stay away from those. Those can be detrimental to to you and your team. Well, and there's a, there, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. there's a certain style where you solicit the help and get everybody, you know, organized in the same. It's very much like a basketball team where you've got five players. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I heard one time, long time ago, um, a player by the name of Spencer Haywood was playing for my beloved Sonics who have now left town. And I don't know if you remember that name or not, but I don't. Um, he was, he was a power forward and he was a very gifted shooter. And, uh, and after the game was over, they lost this particular game. He scored 30 points. And the other, and they were interviewing a member for the other team. And they said, well, you know, we don't have to, we don't worry about him because he's going to get his points. Our mm -hmm. job is to keep everybody else from getting their points and mm -hmm. then we will win. And that's exactly what they did because they worked as a team to, and they had a clear, concise goal of what they were going to do. And so they achieved that goal because they worked together at it rather mm -hmm. than it being a one man show. I'm you know, going to score my 30 points and the rest of you guys are going to have to figure it out. Um, so that's, that's an important aspect of leadership, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, goal setting is, is huge. And, and um, you know, right now is a great time to be thinking about your goals, everybody, you know, there's a new year coming up Um and this is a great time to start thinking about, you know, the kind of goals that you want to set for yourself. Are you, do you want to be a leader? You know, what, and what kind of skills do you want to develop um, as a leader to develop your team? Because it is really about team development. Um, so also in the book, I go through, you know, some components of what a team goes through when it's developing. It's a, it's a model. Maybe you've heard of uh, Bruce Tuckman, the Tuckman model, um, forming, storming, norming, and performing. And, um, you know, all teams go, go through that. And it's a, it's a, you know, great thing to think about. Where's your team right now? If you were looking at your team, are you still in the forming stage? You're new, you're, you know, early in the, in the process, or are you storming and storming, storming is good. I'm, I'm not saying that storming is a bad part. It's just a, when lots of things are going on and, you know, maybe you're not firing on all cylinders, you're not quite synergistic, um, yet. Um, so you're still working through some of that. And then you get to the norming stage and, you know, norming is when you're really starting to, to gel and, and things are getting easy. Conflicts are getting settled pretty quickly. The leader is not as involved in much in, as much in that part. And then to the performing stage where you're, you're just a well-oiled machine and everything's running. You know, the coach is sitting down. If you think about a basketball, you know, they're sitting down just watching the, the game going on, you know, and then, you, but you may go back to storming because, oh, so a couple of your people got into foul trouble. So, you know, you have to go back to the storming stage, but it's all about like moving through those stages and not staying too long in one. Um, so that's, you know, how your team develops. That's part of how the team develops. Talk about um, in the development of your team, because if you're in the beginning stages and what's the, what's the first one again? Forming. 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 And you, for whatever reason, your turnover remains high. You can, there are some organizations that never get out of the forming stage because they can't keep good people. Is that true? That is true. 
that is very true, especially right now with lots of, uh, I guess, layoffs and, you know, the great resignation, I guess they call it. And there's, a, you know, a lot of that has happening where you're, they're not getting past that that stage where they can um, get their team formed. So you might want to think about, you know, getting in smaller teams so that you can at least take some of your performers, you know, or some of your people, your players, I'll say, or associates, um, you know, to get them through that stage so that they're not stuck in forming because you're not going to get much work done if you continue to stay in forming. It, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. because you can't, you can't, you can't grow and grow in your expertise as a team. If, if everybody, if you're, as an example, if you're playing on a basketball team and people keep quitting or get hurt and, um, and you have to bring in new people and you kind of restart every time you have to mm -hmm. do that. Absolutely. The same kind of concept, you know, every year when teams, lose their seniors or they lose players to go to the NBA or they, you know, people get hurt or whatever it is, you do have to start over again. And the new freshmen are coming in. They've got to learn the system. Same thing in business. The same thing in, you know, an organization. They've got to come in. They've got to learn, you know, the culture. They've got to learn the organization. You know, all of that happens. It's just a matter of the team helping the leader and the leader guiding the team and guiding the people through that those phases. In your work, I know you talk with with executives and and CEOs and and people like that. How do you talk to them about the culture that they may be creating, either on purpose or inadvertently? We talk a lot about culture because I think culture is extremely important, and you know what they've got to be aware of what type of culture they are creating or not creating. I mean, it could be, you know, both sides. Are they creating a, you know, a, a safe environment, you know, for people to speak up for conflicts to happen and for people to, you know, figure those out on their own and for the team to, you know, figure that out um, as they go through that, uh, maybe that storming phase. Um, and, you know, it's important to know what their culture looks like and then what they want it to be, you know, how they want it to be. Um, you know, it's, it changes your strategy. Uh, there's, um, I quote uh, Steve Drucker in my in my book. Uh, you know, strat, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> you know, you can you can have the best strategy going on, but if you don't have the culture to go along with that, then you can, uh, you know, you can forget it. It's Peter Drucker. Sorry, not Steve. Steve, Peter. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. Um, so, how do you create a positive culture? I think through engagement, lots of engagement. I think that is huge for, as a matter of fact, I think it's one of the, I use it as the triple threat, you know, the triple threat position in basketball. I think it's a huge component of a great leader um, to have the ability for engagement and to get your, everyone on your team engaged. So finding different ways to get people engaged and having one-on-one -on -one conversations and not forgetting about those and keeping people informed and communicating, you know, communicating when things are going great, but also communicating when things aren't going as well as they could be. I think that's huge for um, creating the culture that you want. And the culture that you want is one where it's inclusive and everybody is, it feels a part of the team and uh, feels important because now I know that you know this, that, uh, um, they did a survey. They do surveys all the time 
about employee satisfaction Mm -hmm. and and pay is not anywhere near the top of what drives an employee to be satisfied um like inclusiveness being part of the team feeling like they're making a difference all of those things those are emotional things rather than uh going to and getting your paycheck every other tuesday or whatever it is absolutely yeah so yeah benefits and pay are not at the top um having a good manager is at the top or having a good leader is definitely up there you know people people leave organizations because they don't have a great relationship with their leaders and you know that's i think that's a huge part of it but absolutely inclusive and making sure that you are providing an inclusive and psychologically culturally and socially and emotionally safe space for people to to be who they are and to develop and to develop all of your employees too and all of your associates and all of your players that's one of the things that that i i reiterate to you know people that i'm coaching is to make sure that you're developing everyone on your team, you know, your bench players, the people that may not be your high performers, but you still, you still need everybody. You chose them. They're there for a reason. You they're on your team. And I think it's the, the leader's responsibility to make sure that they are developing all people on their team. This is a, this is a loaded question. I'm going to ask you, which how do you keep um, a leader's ego in check? Oh gosh, how they have to do, they have to do that. I mean, I mean, well, feedback, you know, feedback is a huge part of uh, being a good leader, being able to give it and also receive it. And I think in that culture that you want to create, that you should create a culture where feedback is welcome. And, you know, if, if you are doing something that is impacting the team in a negative way or impacting the organization in a negative way, then you know that needs to be that needs to be brought up. It it does, but there are lots of executives that don't listen to that advice even when they get it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a you know there's ways you can deliver feedback, and I think the the best one is to really be specific about what behavior they're doing, how it's impacting either you you as a person, the employee or the organization and you know you can say it over and over again and you know people leave organizations too because it's not safe or it's not you know not for them and that happens yes indeed do you do you ever um encourage senior managers to actually learn where the lunchroom is and to go learn where the lunchroom is so that they can go visit it from time to time because (laughs) Because it seems to me that the best way for for people to recognize that we're all just people and we're all trying to do the best we can is to sit down and have lunch with people uh, or when they're in their off time and 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 to take some of the that criticism because there are companies that have got to you know that uh, everybody's got a um, employee suggestion box. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been with a company I have that uh, has an employee suggestion box that whether they want to or not, it gets empty twice a year? <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's I, I hope they've read some of them and take some of them to heart. Most of the time, if yeah. they get empty twice a year, yeah, it's because some secretary did it and they just get dumped. Um, but and that doesn't breed a good culture. 
not if they're not if if, if the suggestion box is full that's there's feedback right there um it shouldn't be full you know you and all those things that they're talking about in there should not be a surprise when they open it if you've got a culture of of uh you know, qual a quality culture that you're really trying to uh, to create at your organization or your team or your business, whatever, how big or small it is. Do you ever get pushback when when an employer will say, no, we don't need to create a culture here. We just, they just need to do their job. And, oh, and yeah. Come, how, why is that? Why do All people- All the time, because it's about the, it's about the metrics. It's about the money, the ROI, all of that. And so a lot of times leaders don't think about the people that the, the human capital that they have. Um, they're just thinking about their capital gains and their capital assets. And, um, and they're not going to be as excess as successful as the ones who are caring about the people and the capital gains and the capital assets. If they don't, if they don't take time to develop their people, uh, they're not going to be successful. Doesn't that go hand in hand? It does. Uh, and, and you can develop quite an organization. And uh, if, if, if you do it right and you can keep your turnover down and the, then your training costs are lower, then the performance level is higher and it becomes high, more productive and you can make more money that way. But the, why is it that some people have a tough time? Do they not see it or do they just don't know how to implement it? I don't know. It could be a little bit of both. Actually, that's in my book too. You just used a basketball term, a turnover. Yes. Um, you know, oh, a yeah, turnover. There you are. <laughs> yeah. A turnover, you know, you need to, at the very last sentence in one of my paragraphs there is, you know, you need to ask the hard question. Why are people leaving? Why are people leaving? And I think more importantly, you know, and also why are they staying? You know, what is important to them that makes people stay? And then, of course, the important, if you're having a lot of turnover, you really need to investigate what is going on. And, and are you, as a leader, part of that, of that issue? And that's, you know, a hard question to ask. You know, we seem to have had an epiphany in the last year and a half of people, because there's COVID and we kind of shut down. And then as we came out of it, a lot of people had gotten used to working out of their home or had done other things and they didn't want to go back to the way things were. Isn't that why we had the great uh, resignation? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of what's the trend now or the, the big uh, buzzword now is quiet quitting that people are just doing their, doing the very basics and, you know, not, not going home, but I mean, not going home that want to go home, you know, and because we're not creating a work-life balance. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are, that are going on now that, you know, people are either slowly returning to the workforce, you know, even in a hybrid model. And I think we learned a lot though, from people being remote and, and actually because I feel because I was a part of this is that they be, they found a lot of efficiencies when people went remote. And so I think that's part of the reason why there's been some of the um, layoffs um, is because finding those efficiencies with people being remote, you know, definitely helped the organization, but then they had to get rid of a lot of people. Yeah. yeah and I noticed that. And the other thing is with unemployment as low as it is at like three and a half percent or whatever it is, it's hard 
to get a staff. It's hard to build a, a good staff because people are not coming in and applying uh, because there are an abundance of jobs everywhere. So it makes it, it makes it tough for, on, a, on a, a leader to be able to staff them their 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 progress or their 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 shop or wherever they are with great people that they can progress with over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely been an upheaval of of the whole workforce in the last couple of years. Been a lot of change. I think we've learned some good lessons, but I still think we have some work to do. By the way, we're talking with Julia Weaver. And if you want to follow along, you can go to weaverstrategicpartners.com and you can find out all about her and her book, which is called Hoop Speak, which takes uh, the language of basketball and aligns it with leadership concept, ideas, and examples. So in your book, I know you give us a lot of examples of great leadership and how to use uh, basketball terms and, and to make it work. Can you give us a few more examples? Sure. I'd be happy to. There's lots of good stuff. Um, you know, uh, I, one of the things is an assist, you know, everybody knows what an assist is and as a leader or, you know, even as a teammate, you want to, to assist other players and help them score. And, um, I would always tell my players to always throw a pass that people can catch. And so I think it's important that, you know, when you are throwing a pass, a bounce pass, a chest pass, or even a skip pass, that, you know, you're throwing them a a good opportunity. And so, again, I'll relate it back to leadership. So what kind of passes can you make to people that, uh, you know, can set them up for success? You know, if you need to throw a bounce pass for them to score an easy layup, what would that mean in leadership? Well, give them a project that, can help them be successful uh, really quickly, just like a quick win, you know, just a quick score, uh, you know, just like a, like a layup would be, or if you're, uh, you know, you have to do a skip pass, maybe you're skipping over someone to pass it to another person because you've got to develop all your people. Just like I talked about earlier, you don't want to just develop your high performers and spend time on your, you know, not so high performers. You want to spend time with everybody. Um, So, you know, making passes and helping assist people in, um, in scoring. That's, uh, that's one important aspect. And um, I would like to, for everybody to change the term, everybody knows the term low hanging fruit, right? Oh yeah. Everybody know, yeah. Low hanging fruit means that easy score. So let's let's you know agree as a group here to change that to a fast break. Fast break is the new term for low hanging fruit. So we're gonna score a fast break. You know, okay, let's take take this uh, project. This is gonna be an easy project for us to quickly get some uh, return on investment. You know, just to to think about things in a different in a different way. And if everybody on your team is using that terminology it helps to build that camaraderie you know that team we were team development we were talking about earlier kevin part of that is creating a language that everybody can everybody can understand and and basketball to me seemed like a very uh simple language you know everybody knows what assist is and anybody can call a timeout um everybody knows what a pass is um you know it's it's all of that together now, do you use the term uh, three-point shot or three-point uh, three-point basket or three-point line anywhere? In I there? use yeah, three-pointer. Um, yeah, and I compared it to um, Steve Jobs. You know, has the rules of three. So a lot of things come in rules of threes. Like you know, there's the three little pigs. 
uh, the three musketeers. Lots of things come in threes. So in leadership, um, you know, thinking about if you're writing a memo or you're writing a, an email, just put three bullet points. People can remember things in threes. Um, so, you know, one of the questions I ask in the book is, you know, how can you score a three-pointer today? Or what's your three-point message um, that you're going to send out to someone? I got one. I got one. I think I, I think that you, this is, I'm sure this is in the book. And if it's not, <laughs> we can do an addendum. Okay. It. All right. Okay. I'll do, I'm coming up with a second edition next year. So maybe I'll put it in there. Oh, Tell that'd me. be great. You, you, you ready for this one? I'm ready. Okay. The, the, a free throw. Mm-hmm. Because a free throw is an easy shot. Mm-hmm. It's 15 feet from the basket. There's nobody guarding you. Mm-hmm. You're there all by yourself. There is no, I never understood why professional basketball players could not make a free throw mm-hmm. in some of them. And some of them were like a 90% and some of them were like, like Shaq O'Neal and Wilt Chamberlain going back into the day. Uh, they, they could not make it. It's because, and it's because they didn't practice it enough. And so, so when you take the simple things that are a free throw or a layup, that they're easy, but they, but you, they have to be practiced mm-hmm. um, and you have to tra- take them as seriously as everything else. Is that good? Could, would you put that in your book? Yeah, actually free throws in the book. So okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I already got it, but good thinking there, Kevin. Yeah. A free throw is kind of like a layup, you know, you know, how do you set someone up for a free throw? And part of the free throw is the building a routine. So I know that, you know, my routine when I was standing at the line was, you know, flip the ball over, bounce it three times, flip it again. And that was my, so you get yourself into a mindset. So that's how I compare the the three point, uh, I'm sorry, the free throw. Um, and setting someone up for a free throw too is giving them a free shot. And even if they miss it, it's okay. You still set them up. They're still had an opportunity and, you know, maybe they'll get another opportunity, but I like how you're thinking, Kevin. And hopefully you can help them score. Absolutely. Which- which is why I really like the concept of the assist mm-hmm. because a great leader doesn't care who gets the credit. Right. It's all and, about giving out those assists. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they can assist somebody else to get credit or maybe make, get a promotion or to make more money, then they become a leader that is worth something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the best leaders create more leaders. And I think that's the ultimate uh, test to being a great leader is how many leaders are, you know, and I'm, I'm going to say leaving your organization to become other leaders because there's that ego again that, you know, we think that we have to keep everybody, but I think you create leaders and, you know, they go on and, and do good things. It amazes me that there are leaders that they, they find a really good you know, diamond in the rough and then they take that diamond and they polish it mm-hmm. and they, and they create it and make it a really, really shiny piece. Mm-hmm. And then, then they expect it to stay happy with a secondary role because you created this shiny piece, but now they want to be you and to go create their own shiny pieces. Absolutely. That's and, when but, you have to let them go. It's okay if they even leave the organization, you have to you have to let them go. It's just like in coaching, you know, a head coach, an assistant coach. An assistant coach aspires and learns to be probably wants to go on and be a head coach somewhere. They just learn everything they can learn from, from those coaches. Did you ever uh, run across an assistant coach that basically said, 
No, you know, I'm real happy being an assistant coach, and I really don't. I have. Watch. Have you? Have you? Are they as effective as an assistant as somebody who's motivated to become a head coach? Actually, the person I'm thinking of is probably better than the head coach, but just aspired to not take the wanted the responsibility of being the head coach. The slings and arrows of, <laughs> of, of having your name on the door brings its share of slings and arrows. Yeah, but just preferred that, you know, behind the scenes, but knew the game better than anybody else. And, you know, would if they took over the, the program or took over the game, they would be great. It's just a matter of, you know, just didn't want that ultimate responsibility, I guess. And, and, that's, those, and that's okay. And those people in your organization are vital mm-hmm. because if, if the, especially mid management and that kind of stuff, if they're happy with where they're at and don't want to be in the boardroom with, with the big guy um, and they, but then they enjoy their job, then they, they can become very productive people. Absolutely. You can just find other ways to develop them, you know, give them, you know, maybe they want to uh, develop, a different skill, you know, just developing more breadth, I guess, instead of depth and, you know, going to hierarchy, they just, you know, maybe they want a, a project management uh, position or an IT degree or, you know, something, something else. You just, you still have to find ways to develop them though. So let's talk about Julia, shall we? Um, because I wanted, <laughs> wanted to ask, you were a, um, you went to college and you were a, a, uh, uh, a basketball player on the women's team and you played a lot and you were a defensive specialist and you were a light for, or a, uh, um, small forward, what we would call a small forward, or you call it a three position or whatever. Correct. And, uh, and then you left school, you got out of school. Did you start coaching right away? Were you offered a coaching position right out of, out of college? I did. Well, I stayed at UNC. I played at UNC University of North Carolina Greensboro, and I stayed there actually for two years to coach under the head coach. So I learned, you know, as a player, and then I wanted to stay and, and learn more from the coaching side. And then, so after those two years, I did leave and go right into coaching. And then where did you coach after that? I went to Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. That's right. And <laughs> Cornell University has got some pretty smart people there. Did you did you get yeah. some egos that think that they're they're smarter than than all that? Oh, they're they're very smart, absolutely smart. That that was very intimidating for me at first, but they they were it was a wonderful experience. I, I loved being at Cornell. The very it was so different, you know, I guess when I went to a state school and, and going to an Ivy League school was just, you know, so much different, just the atmosphere and um, just the intellect of, you know, not only my the players that played with me and um, just the whole university was just a great experience. That, that would be, and it's, I hear it's a beautiful campus too. Oh, it's the, I would say, I might be biased, but I'd say it's the most beautiful of the Ivies. And, and so you did that and then at five years came and you've been coaching for five years. And so then what did you decide to do after that? Mm. Well, I've got my master's degree while I was, while I was coaching at um, Elmira college, which is right there, you know, just outside of Ithaca and decided maybe there's something else out there besides basketball. And um, so I decided to move back home and um, just worked in retail for a little bit, actually, just to figure out what I wanted to do. 
And then um, I got a position at the Center for Creative Leadership. And uh, that's in Greensboro, North Carolina. And that's where I really began to hone my leadership muscle and my facilitation muscle and learned so much about leadership and coaching and leader development. Um, that that's That was a great experience, learning all of that. So that's why I put these two together. I mean, I had the basketball background and then I got the leadership background and I thought, why not try to mash these together in this in this book? And that's really well, where it, a lot of it came from. I think I think it's a really cool uh, book, and it's easy to read, and people can understand the concepts mm-hmm. in it. And the concepts are are very very sound. Um, and fundamentals. It's all about the fundamentals. You know, you tie especially in basketball. Mm-hmm. I think I think basketball is more fundamental driven. Well, I, you know, I can't really say that, but I, I just did, I guess. So <laughs> it seems to me that basketball is very fundamental driven. It's yes. repeat and it's like wash and repeat, wash and repeat. Like like you were saying, the free throws, mm-hmm. you do the same thing every time. A jump mm-hmm. shot. You, oh, is that in your book, by the way, jump shot? Oh, well, it's just the shot. Yeah. Ah. Well, <laughs> Shooting <laughs> or the shot. I don't really actually say the jump shot. Yeah. Is uh, arguing with the referee in your book? No, definitely not. Oh, getting it technical? <laughs> There's technical fouls in there, but really just about, you know, why you should stay away from them. Yes. Well, you know, getting into an argument with the boss would be like arguing with a referee. It's probably True. Not- that's a good point. Maybe that'll be in second edition. <laughs> well, I don't know that that's a positive. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it does happen, though. It, it does, especially when you think you're smarter than the boss. Yeah. And you tell them that. That right. could be a bad thing. Right that there. could be sometimes. Yeah. Well, maybe I won't, won't put that in the book. We're staying positive. This is positive talk radio here. Exactly. Exactly. So now let me let me ask you, you've, you've written this book and are you are you got a second one coming and are you are you doing coaching and and mentoring for uh, corporations and that sort of thing? I do. I, you know, my Weaver Strategic Partners is my coaching business. So I do coach leaders, um, you know, do facilitation um, of different, different types of training, different, uh, you know, I guess programs. And I also am developing um, some programs out of HoopSpeak, where HoopSpeak would be, you know, the book that they get. Um, and then within that, we would, you know, have some training around that and start de- helping leaders develop their own X's and O's. That's really the premise of it, you know, developing your own strategy for becoming a leader. Now, what does a facilitator do? I, I, I've heard the term and I know kind of, I think, but what, what in, in your world, what does a facilitator do? Well, there's a couple of things, um, you know, I can facilitate like if, if you like let's say for your radio show if you got your people together and you wanted to have a strategic planning session but you didn't want one of your one of you to lead it because you would be biased or you would you know not be able to handle the conflicts or whatever that would be something that you might call in an outsider to do so that would be something that you know i could do um to help with strategic planning help a team development you know you have a new team and you want somebody to come in again you don't want to you want somebody else to come in, an outsider, to give, um, you know, to give some unbiased feedback and, and unbiased. And then there's also the facilitation side of a an actual training program where you would, you know, like let's say I, I had a I had a course on emotional intelligence, so I would facilitate that for 
people that were in my class or in my Zoom class or whatever. I'm the asking questions and promoting le learning and putting people in groups and, you know, all of that. What is that? Um, you just said it. Uh, it's, uh, what intelligence? My, oh, emotional intelligence. Yeah. What is emotional intelligence? Oh, gosh. We could spend like two or three hours on that. I know. Well, <laughs> there, are, there are books written about that. Uh, well, I think the, the, you know, the emotional intelligence is, it was broken down into four different components. and But, but I think one of the most important ones is uh, self-awareness. And that's part of, uh, you know, knowing what emotions drive you, you know, how and how you are how you interpret your own emotions and the emotions of others. So, you know, I think that's important for a leader to be able to do as well, to, to channel their own emotions, know their emotions, know their triggers, but also on the other side is knowing what triggers others. And I think in a, a highly, um, a highly qualified or a high, a high level person with high, high emotional intelligence is going to be successful, especially as a leader. I have the toughest time with people who say, you know, this is just how I am. And I know that I, this about myself and, and my, that I, that this is what triggers me and, or that's what triggers me. And, and if somebody who is younger than me tells me what to do or what, you know, and they say they understand their, their own emotional intelligence, but they don't because if, if it was counterproductive, wouldn't they change it? Hmm. Well, they probably aren't as self-aware as they think they are. Taking an emotional intelligence assessment might help them gauge where they are in that in that process. Because it's not just about self-awareness; it's about managing those emotions. So, when you have those emotions, how do you manage them? How do you manage those stressors? It's about relationship building. It's about social awareness. Social awareness is probably one of my favorites. You know, it's like walking into a room and having really exciting news, but everybody there is you know blah because they just heard something about you know, layoffs or something, but you're excited because you got some new news. And if you're not reading the room, you're going to have a hard time convincing those people that we've got something exciting going on because they've got blah on their minds. And so I think social awareness is like one of my, one of my favorites. That that would be important. Yes. If you, if you walk in and say, we got this then new contract and, and everybody's like, you know, especially if, if like everybody's talking about that contract saying, mm -hmm. oh man, did we screw up? We've got this contract that's going to be terrible for us mm -hmm. and it's yeah. going to be hard. And and then the leader comes in and says, look at this contract that we got. It's going to be so exciting. It's hard to get people on board that way. Absolutely. So you've got to be aware of what's going on in your with your team and be, you know, and that's going to take communication. That's going to take engagement. So all of those things that we've been talking about as far as uh, developing as a leader. And asking uh, their opinion. I, I, I found that when I would ask somebody their opinion, um, that raised their their position in their mind with us because, hey, he's interested in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Cause yes. Lot, yeah. Cause a I lot, mean, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say you want you want people on your team that are different from you. So they're going to have different perspectives that you want people that complement, you know, the team. So you, you've got, you, you brought them on because they probably have some, some knowledge or experience that you need. So asking their opinions and asking their ideas and, and trying to get their information from them is a 
great idea. Do you ever recommend that uh, a leader, even if they don't agree with an idea, if, if, if they get consensus from the group that they'd like to try it, that they allow it to go? Absolutely. I think taking risk is a part of, you know, being a good leader and, you know, even normalizing mistakes because mistakes are going to get made. It's just, and I liken it in basketball to, you know, oh, I have a turnover. I tripped over my feet or I missed a pass or whatever. That's going to happen in a game. The same thing is going to happen in life and in leadership and in on your team at work. Somebody's going to miss a deadline. Somebody's going to miss an email that it was important or, you know, some, send a, send something out that, you know, communication that wasn't correct. That's going to happen. And the more we could normalize the mistakes, of course, learn from them and fix them and, you know, do all of that. But, you know, taking those risks is, is I think is important. Speak, speaking of emails and such, when you, when you're working with a company, <laughs> do, do you encourage them to have a disaster plan ready to go for if, as an example, somebody who's in your organization sends out a wholly inappropriate email and it gets attached to the company? Do you have, do you teach them to have a uh, disaster plan for eventualities like that? Well, I mean, yeah, all, all businesses and organizations should have a business continuity type of plan. So yes, if there are things that are happening within the, the organization that are not going as well, they should definitely have some backup plans. Just, you know, all plans don't always go as well as you want them to, you know, they, there's always should be some revisions in there. Um, I'd, uh, you know, yeah, that, that's a pretty hard one though. That would probably take some interventions of some sort. <laughs> it, would, it would, because, because as an example, if you are, if you're in a business and your company, um, and there are a lot of people, longtime employees that have been with the company and they, and they feel a certain way about certain things and you're attempting to make changes at the top to keep everybody moving forward and stuff. But there are a lot of people that have been doing the same job for a long time that are very resistant to change. Mm -hmm. Change is hard. <laughs> I could just leave it at that or I could carry on. <laughs> change is hard. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, I could write a book on change too, um, for sure. You know, people come in at different places within change. You know, some people just roll with it and go right into acceptance and just are fine with it. But there's others who stick their heels in the in and resist and, you know, don't like it, don't want it, decide to leave, or they take uh, FMLA or, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in, when there's change happening. But, I, you know, the more you communicate, the more you talk about the change and get people on board and get their opinions and their ideas about how this is going to impact us. You know, it's an us thing. It's, you know, all, all of us talking together to figure out how we can, how we can maneuver through it. Oh, exactly. You know, it's, I've done this several times. It's, it's really interesting when you are, um, you have a staff of 70 and a couple of assistant managers and, and a uh, whole cooks, you know, the chef and, all of that and you get promoted from somewhere else and you walk into a situation of you don't know anybody mm -hmm. and it's that can that is a real leadership uh, uh test 
to, to, to see how you can do it. How would, if you were to walk in cold to a group of people that you had no idea about any of their skills, any of their gifts, you just know that you just got promoted to be a general manager of this particular store. You don't know anybody. How do you, how would you suggest that that individual enter the premises for the first time? Oh, positive. And I would be talking to everybody I could talk to one-on-one groups, focus groups, all of that, you know, tell me about the organization. Tell me your, tell me your loves, tell me your not so great stuff. You know, talk to me, just communicate, be, a, have an open door, um, you know, come in with a positive attitude and a can do attitude, you know, walk the talk. That, that's a really good sound advice because I, I've experienced it the other way, mm-hmm. which is like, look, I'm the boss. I just got mm-hmm. promoted here. I'm the boss. This is how I'm going to do it. You need and, the 70 of them. They don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Because, you know, you can lose a good portion of the, of your really good ones. If, mm-hmm. if, if you don't treat it, you know, with kid gloves and to take care mm-hmm. and, uh, and to just let your ego, let your hair down and relax and enjoy their, their company, have a beer with them or whatever. And, and after the shift is over and, and stuff like that. And I always like to divide and conquer. If, if you've got, if you got a bunch of folks that are against you, pick some key people that you want to form an alliance with that will then have sway over the others. Does that make sense? You sound like Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've been in the restaurant business. There is very little difference between Survivor and being in the restaurant business. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, definitely come in with a definitely a positive attitude and, you know, it's and socializing and, you know, having celebrate the successes celebrate the wins and the losses you know learn from the losses you're going to have just as many losses as you're going to have wins sometimes but hopefully the wins will outweigh and but i think you learn a lot from your losses um just as much as you learn from your wins oh i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more and uh by the way julia weaver has been our guest today and uh let's go over your information again so that people can go get hoop speak and uh, the X and O's of leading through language, the, the language of basketball, because we all love basketball. It's one of the national pastimes. So that's I great. think it is. Yes. Yes. Well, you can find it at your favorite bookstore. Um, you, you know, if you, if you support a local independent bookstore, they can order it. Um, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it at Barnes and Noble. Um, you can, there's a Kindle version or a PDF version. You can also find it on my website, which is uh, weaverstrategicpartners.com. And um, yeah. And then of course I, I, ha- I do have a coaching and consulting business, weaverstrategicpartners.com. You can find me there more information we could set up a discovery call and or you can email me and we can talk you're a big time author you'll accept emails <laughs> i will absolutely oh, that's that's really cool and it's it's great to have you here and you'll have to come back and we, when your second book are you or are you starting on your second book yet i've got some ideas i'm going to do a second edition of the of hoop speak though because i've come up with a few things that I feel like I need to add in this. And then I've got to come up with a totally different kind of, not a totally different concept, but just something a little different. Well, I, I, I'm glad you will. And uh, I, I love the, you know, I could sit here and talk about leadership all day because I think it's a art form that is not people 
don't understand how much of an art form it actually is, is maybe what I'm trying to say. Because mm-hmm. a good leader is like gold, and uh, and but they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I think it's something you need to, you know, you have to develop, you have to decide that you want to be a good leader, and then, you know, start to develop that strategy. Learn all you can, and read all you can, and get as much, you know, resources and people learn from people learn from all your mentors and everyone who you who you can learn from i think what you need to do is to call you well there you go you can call me too (laughs) (laughs) julia we're coming to the end of our time together so i want to give you the opportunity to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know the ones that are listening now or the ones that will be listening to this podcast in the future Hmm. Wow, what do you mean? Like, what about anything? Anything and everything? Um, anything that's on your—it's uh, anything that's in your heart that's on your mind that you would like to share with folks. Well, I was excited to be on this positive talk radio because I believe that you know positive positivity is huge in creating you know the kind of leader that you want to be. Whether that's um, you know a basketball coach. I mean, this book is great for uh, aspiring coaches um, because it does have the basketball part in it, but it also has the, uh, you know, the leadership. So if you're an aspiring coach and, you know, you want some, some leadership tips, some fundamentals of leadership, you know, certainly to, you know, get the book. I've got journal pages in here. So I ask a lot of questions. Uh, It's divided up into different quarters. um, So you can, you can, uh, you know, write your, Start developing your, like I said, your X's and O's, your strategy for becoming the best leader that you want to. And and I don't know that I'll, I mean, I guess I'll end with this, but one of my players, former players at Cornell um, talked to me or gave me the, the story about, you know, always touch the line. Like she never could understand why you'd run all the way down the court and then you'd miss it by like two or three inches and wouldn't touch the line. So I guess I would encourage you as a leader to always touch the line. I have a quick story about that. Can I tell this? <laughs> sure. It's your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, when I was playing high school football, uh, we had our, co- our coach was six foot five. He'd been a, uh, a defensive lineman for a major uh, university. And uh, his name was Jock McLaughlin. And he's, he'd been a coach for a while. And, and we used to, at the end of practice, we would do what we, like in basketball, you would run lines. Mm-hmm. Only our lines were 100 yards long. Mm-hmm. We would line up and we'd put our hand on the goal line. And then we'd sprint to the other goal line. And then we'd turn around and we'd put our hand on the goal line. And we'd sprint back. And we'd do seven or eight of these, depending upon how, how the coach was feeling that day. And if they thought that we deserved the more punishment. Mm-hmm. And and so there's this guy by the name of Denny Flagel. He was a backup quarterback. And um, we were getting ready to go at the line, and and the coach stopped. There, there were 75 of us that were standing in, at, at the goal line from from go, from sideline to sideline, like, and uh, we were all waiting, and he stopped the whole thing. Mm. And he called out Denny, and he said, Denny, why was your hand three inches over the line? You're going to go 100 yards. Three inches is not going to matter a thing. But what it does tell me is that you're willing to take a shortcut whenever you can, and you're not willing to do the hard work that it's going to take for you to not be a backup, to be a, but to be a starting quarterback. And he That's went exactly on. it. 
he went on for like, and I remember this, you know, this, this was like in 1973. So this was like, this is like 50 years ago. And I remember it like it was yesterday um, because it taught me something very valuable about life. Yeah. Oh, that's the same, same thing. You know, you, you, you do all this work and you don't finish a project or you miss a deadline or you spell a word wrong and you don't go back and check it. That's not touching the line. You know, that's taking a shortcut. So I'm encouraging you to always touch the line. And make it a religious, not a religious practice, but a, a, a well, you know, a, a practice that you do all the time. Mm-hmm. We'll, say, we'll say, we'll say that because it, it does breed you to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Rather and than, others see you. That's that walk and that talk too. If these people start to see you take shortcuts, then they'll do the same. Your your team will follow that. Yeah, and eventually you'll have a bunch of people that are going to be like, "What's what's you know?" It's going to be one foot over the line, two feet over the line. Mm-hmm. You know what what is going to be acceptable at, at mm-hmm. one point? So it's got to be no it, it's, consistency. Consistency, and it's the line. Thank you for yeah. giving me reminding me of that memory. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Well, thanks for your stories. I love them. It was a big deal. And so thank you so much for being here. And I really appreciate it. Go get the book hoop speak, and you can go to our website, which is weaverstrategicpartners.com and hire her to come work for your company. She could, she can help you with the blind spots and we all have our blind spots that we don't see that um, can affect the professionalism and the productivity and the turnover rate and everything about your company that you're working for or that you own. So you, sometimes it's, it's helpful to have somebody come do that. Would you agree with me? I would agree with you there. You know, let's, let's take a look. Let's talk. And very good. And you can go to do that by going to our website, weaverstrategicpartners.com. And you can, um, um, you know, like send her a message. Absolutely. and uh, that would that would be great. Again, thank you so much for being here. I've enjoyed our time together. Can we do it again? Will you come Absolutely, back? Absolutely, Kevin. I would love to. Thank you so much. I, I loved it. It was a great day. Great night. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm still. I'm at night. You're still in the day. Oh yeah, it's seven <laughs> o'clock. It's time for you to have dinner now. Absolutely. Yes. So, thank you so much. Hold on right there, and I'll be right back. Okay. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.